0: This this, show is brought to you by Safety FM. What's up, Pete? Welcome back to Rebranding Safety. We're coming to the tail end of our Safety 1 and Safety 2 mini-series. So let's jump into the intro and tell you more about today's guest. The problem in safety isn't deviation, it's complexity.
1: Health and safety has gone mad.
0: Health and safety is trying to unpick having gone mad in the past. There's no one solution and one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team allow them to flourish? You're safe enough to be uncomfortable. The environment defines our behaviors. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding Safety, crushing the stereotype. Brought to you by Risk Blue. Hey everyone, welcome back to Rebranding Safety. We do it exactly what we say on the team we're to change the perception of health and safety we do that on youtube and we do that here on the podcast so if you're new here and you watch on youtube hit subscribe and the bell and all those thingamajiggies so today's guest apologies if you can hear some noise number one noise is my daughter if you can see her just there look in the bottom of your screen wriggling away and the, the wife, bless her doing some housework and the dog is also getting annoyed as well but the podcast goes on. So today's guest is Safety 1 and 2 mini series. Coming to the end of it now actually after today's episode we've only got two more interviews so what's that including this one with 246 episodes of this mini series left and then it's over. Mini series is over. It's been a huge huge mammoth undertaking but I think it's been good actually. It's been good for me anyway. I've learned loads. Get some really good feedback. So hopefully you've enjoyed it. If you have, let us know. Come and hit us up on any of the social medias, LinkedIn, James McPherson. You can find me, James McPherson. You've got Rebranding Safety on LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram. And you can find us on Twitter. But Twitter is special that Safety Rebranded, as in past tense. So today's guest is Carsten Bush. And today's episode is different. It's called Rebranding Heinrich. Or essentially bring him back to Heinrich as originally intended. It's time that you kind of hit let me put it this way. it's time to don your Indiana Jones cap, put your revolver on your wi- on your waist and get out your whip because we're talking to the Indiana Jones of Safety. If you know him, you already know him just by that description. We're talking to Carsten Bush. Carsten is a health safety professional, kind of like us, who runs an all-round knowledge transfer consultancy service, he calls it. But he's essentially a myth buster of safety. I kind of call him the police officer of this safety one, safety two space. He kind of keeps everyone on track. He doesn't really pick sides. He just makes sure that what we're talking about is correct. We're quoting corro- we're the right things. And, and uh, yeah, he kind of just keeps us all on track. And... He has done one of the biggest kind of investigations, uh, kind of archaeology digs, so to speak, around Herbert Heinrich. You might recognise his name, Herbert's Triangle, the domino theory and all that. And actually, he's found out that most of us never really read a word of his work and he's coming to tell us what Heinrich was about, who he was, and there's a lot of lessons in this conversation around this safety one, safety two argument that I think we all need to take away. So without further ado, we shall jump into the conversation with Carsten. Don't forget to check out next week's episode where I'll talk a little bit more about this and I'll reflect on what I learned from, from this episode and from my conversation with Carsten, who is an all-round lovely bloke by the way. But without further ado, let's jump into my conversation with Carsten. All right, Carsten, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Thank you for coming on. I am um, really looking forward to this conversation, actually, because I am one of the people, I believe, that, uh, that talk about Heinrich, but actually know little about him. So I'm, I'm really interested, and I think this is going to be a good chat. So what, why don't you start with just giving us an introduction to you first before we go on and talk about... Herbert William Heinrich
1: Yes, we can do that. Uh, My name Carsten Busch I am a mechanical engineer by education and I hated it within the first three months (laughs) so um, I I was thinking I'm not going to do this rest of my life, but whatever. Let's see what happens. And something really cool happened and I ended up in a practical uh, year working with safety, which first was very weird because, uh, well, they don't teach us that at school, but I loved it. And so uh, when I graduated, I I went looking for jobs in that direction. I was lucky and I've worked quite a lot in railways, various uh, railway uh, related uh, companies. Studied safety on the way, because I needed to get some uh, professional luggage, of course. And um, did some law school on the way also. Uh, Then I moved to Norway, which is about 11 years ago, to Norwegian railways. Uh, Dabbled a bit in offshore oil and gas. And um, for the last five years now, I work for Norwegian Police Directorate. We are the, uh, say, governing and professional advice body of the whole Norwegian police force, which is a fascinating uh, field coming from the very technical uh, uh, railways and oil and gas, and then going over to something that is nearly completely human and building on uh very much on the, on the knowledge and well say resilience of of the people who do, who do the job and it's it's fascinating and i had to really and i'm still having to rethink uh, safety mm. so that's that's super cool
2: yeah that... and a few years
1: ago i i decided i needed to, to um, Well, do something uh, formal about my uh, knowledge, which I had built up and I uh, enrolled in the human factors and system safety uh, program at Lund University. Uh, And I graduated last year, I think (coughs) there, and now I'm on the teacher team of that program too. Well, teacher and tutor, I help students getting through the first year cool. which is super cool awesome and i'm a confessed safety nerd geek whatever <laughs>
0: yeah a confessed safety nerve i love it like like the rest of us are secret safety nerds like we're, we're
1: <clears throat> yeah close closet safety nerds <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, i've had my coming out some 15 years ago so <laughs>
0: How was that conversation with your parents (laughs) and your family? Um just I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah. Well, we knew it
1: all along. (laughs) (coughs) and <laughs> <coughs> oh, no. there is this uh, and and we are actually having uh discussions about it uh, at home sometimes that there's a clear sign when there's uh, on, on your uh, nightstand when there's a, a professional safety book and not some crime mystery or something yeah yeah and i tend to to alternate the two that i read something professional and then uh well, safety book, <clears throat> and and my wife sometimes says, "How can you relax? It's about statistics." And then say, "Yeah,
0: but I lost. <laughs> I like reading about statistics." <laughs> I- I'm ex- I'm exactly that exact thing happens to me. I'll read like like leadership or safety books or like human resilience or anything, and there's just a massive queue of books now because I'll someone I listen to a podcast and someone will say, "Oh, listen and i I wrote this book." And I'm like, "Oh, I'm gonna buy that book," and uh, and I can't keep up with them all. So I'm reading books, but then yeah, I think the thing yeah. that slows me down is I get to a point where I'm like, I do fancy just a bit of fiction or do you know what I mean? Like a murder mystery, just uh, maybe, <coughs> yeah. you know, w- when you work in safety, do a podcast in safety and then read safety or resilience or something in bed, you do kind of, you know, toss and turn at night, m- muttering risk assessment and resilience <laughs> and capacity. and
1: <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Been there doing that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> And my wife says exactly the same thing. How, how can you relax after you're reading a book like that? And I'm like, I don't know. I think the point is that I, my brain works so hard whilst I'm doing it that I just kind of doze off. <laughs> yep, yep. But yeah, that's uh, quite interesting. Like you say, like you say, working for the police force, you know, and that that shift is quite interesting actually. And we, we, I want to get into talking about Heinrich, but I think that, I'd be interested in like how you kind of dealt with that shift from, like you say, a real technical, uh, you know, like rail and stuff like where you're you're probably main driver is kind of like avoiding the risk. Whereas in the police force, it's kind of like, you know, we we are in the risk and and a lot of the time we're going towards the risk. Our job is to, is to, you know, control that risk for to protect other people. It's interesting. I've got a member of my wife's family. She's, um, she's, part of the like armed response in the UK and, uh, in, oh. in Luton, which, um, has a, has a reputation if you don't know England, but Luton has a reputation for being a uh, extremely rough or oh, excuse me. I didn't put my phone on silent. Um, and, and it's interesting when I talk to her about it, um, and, and, and you say, you know, in my job, I'm trying to, trying to get people to avoid risk or we, we try and control it as much as we can and do all that stuff. And her job is, you know, there is a risk, and she's literally going in that direction. How did you find that kind of shift? It, that must have been a challenge.
1: <clears throat> yeah, well, now I'm, I'm working quite, quite uh, distantly from, from the uh, frontliners, of course. Mm. But, I, but I do have contact with them. And uh, at my job interview, this was one of the arguments I had. Uh, they asked me for my motivation, or why I was uh, uh, applying for the job. And I said, what fascinates me is the uncertainty and how you deal with uncertainty. Because uh, in railways where I worked at the time, uh, you, you have this, this job in the middle of the night somewhere on the tracks. And sure, there's some uncertainty. What's the weather going to be like? Mm. But the, the big risks, um, you can rather control. You just shut down uh, the, the electric current. Uh, you stop the trains, and well, that, that that's the main that's the main stuff, mm. and then you get some surprises. Maybe uh, it, there can be a landslide, but yeah, okay. But if the police uh, is called upon uh, to to fix something in the middle of the night, there's noise from the neighbor house.
0: Well, Could walk is it a anything? party going
1: on? Mm. Are they playing the TV too loud? Is mm. uh, somebody beating up his wife? Is there mm. a burglary? Uh, so it's, it's massive uh, uncertainty. And how do you deal with that? And most of the time they do so very successful. Mm. So there's this, this built-in resilience or uh, capacity to, to handle that, that wide range of, uh, of variation. And then that, that's really fascinating and I, I still haven't found the real answer but uh, one factor in it uh, is is uh, the training uh, we have this uh, this training facility uh, for people working with uh, um, what shall i say uh, a drug uh, drug uh, uh, plantars and w- where they grow mariana and stuff yeah and they actually uh, train people uh, for the situations they will uh, go into. So look mm. for the, the CO2 meters outside the door because then you mm. know there's low oxygen. Uh, watch the door handle because they're often booby trapped. Not yeah. because of the police, but because of competition. Yeah, yeah. And so on and so on. And it's really cool to see how they mm. prepare for, well, the unexpected. They create the situations and uh, they, well, they train as lifelike as possible, uh, just yeah. to build up that capacity to to handle the, the variation and yeah. all the weird stuff they meet.
0: Yeah, I remember when I uh, I was training a long time ago to become a, um, a, a aviation security trainer, uh, which was basically just training people about terrorism and, and so that we can spot. Um, terrorism basically um and I was becoming a trainer for that which was accredited by the civil aviation authority but we had to do what was the coolest training I've ever done in my entire life um there was I think it was two days of really intense hard theory but day 3 made it all worth it because we went to the local police uh, firing range and uh, and training center and basically we just watched this guy blow stuff up like they had like airplane doors and they were like, this is, this is what would have happened if the shoe bomber wasn't caught. Um, and, and this, this is the kind of bomb that they were using. And we like, and they showed us how it works and they just set the bombs off and it was like, blimey, like as a typical lad, like I am, like, it's like, Whoa, yeah, this is cool. But then just yeah, behind yeah, yeah. us, <laughs> I couldn't pay attention because just behind us, they had um, a couple of police officers, um, like plainclothes officers that were training to do uh, like a car bust, like trying to get, I don't know, someone out of a car. And you're spot on in what you're saying that they do it so lifelike. There's no, we were watching them whilst we were having lunch and there's no... um, there's no like messing around or like joking, like they're shouting, they're screaming, like, like they would normally do like, get out of that car. Get! They take it so seriously. There's no like, giggle, giggle, giggle. And then go, it's like, you'd think it was pure lifelike, which uh, was just fascinating to watch. Great day all around. Anyway, we, we digress massively. Um, let's, um, let's, so, so basically you've done a hell of a lot of re- research into high, how many times have I said his name? I go to say it now on the recording and it's wrong. Herbert William Heinrich, which personally I love his name because I'm a big fan of alliteration. I really like, like, we got my first child on the way and I said to the wife, there's only one rule that I would like to do with our child's name, you call it whatever, but it has to be an M so that it alliterates with the with last name. Then okay, yeah, Mac MacPerson. Yeah, Mac Mac. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's a new option, Mac Mac, uh, Mac Mac, Mac I like that. Um, so yeah. Anyway, so I'd, I'd be interested in talking through the decision. What, why you kind of did all, all that research? What, what kind of drew you to do some research around Heinrich?
1: Yes. Um, well. I, the, the origins uh, go uh, a while back uh, when I uh, switched uh, jobs, I went from one railway uh, company in the Netherlands to the Railway Authority, What uh, I am there now in, in the UK, I think it's a network rail. Network rail, yeah. Yeah, it's pro rail in the Netherlands. I went to work for the safety staff there, and I think I was quite a good uh, safety professional when I when I joined, with a lot of uh, practical experience from workshops and out on, on uh, railroad shifting yards and, and so on, and then I came in an environment that was r- super inspiring to work in, because suddenly there were all these people that were on my level, and, and it was just Fascinating to to discuss safety theory uh, over over the uh, office uh, table or in, under lunch. And, and I decided I had to step up my game a bit to keep hmm. up with my colleagues. And I went and uh, bought all these books uh, from Charles paranormal Normal Accidents, and, and a lot of James Reason, uh, uh, Human Error, and I think at the time... Uh, Uh, the organizational uh, accident uh, book had just been published so I bought all that stuff and while I was on Amazon I came across uh, one of Heinrich's books and I thought uh, I have to buy that too because it's one of the foundational um, texts And, and besides we were at the time building a safety information system and we were actually looking at this triangle idea and well, uh, can we find precursors in all the data we have and to what the top events will they? So I I bought the book and then I I read everything. But the Heinrich books, I bought actually two different editions at the time. They were just uh, on the shelf because, well, they were cool to have, but, well, didn't really feel like reading. Fast forward some five, six, seven years, I think. I ended up on LinkedIn and in all these cool uh, safety uh, groups. And there were a lot of discussions, uh, a lot of discussions uh, on Heinrich also. Like, uh, what's your opinion on the uh, 88% uh, of all accidents are due to uh, human failure, et etc.? et cetera. All those discussions. And I noticed one thing, and it was uh, people who discussed Heinrich didn't, uh, uh, that I didn't read Heinrich at all. Mm-hmm. So I decided before I join in these discussions, let me read a bit. So I read those two books, made a kind of summary for myself. And then I took part and, and doing that exercise, it really confirmed uh, my uh, suspicion. Uh, people who were discussing Heinrich I didn't have a clue what Heinrich really had written. I just got the the say that uh, well the the headline uh, message like mm-hmm. 88% of all accidents are caused by human error, uh, but not the nitty-gritty details or the nuances uh, and and the, the wider message. And I think that's a bit the start for me of thinking critically in in safety and also later doing a book on uh, safety myths or address some of those uh, superficial uh, knowledge versus, uh, well, what is there really out there? Mm. Um, yeah, well, that, that's my, my first uh, encounter with Heinrich. Then it became silent for some years because I was busy with other stuff, um, among other things, writing the, the book. And then I enrolled at Lund University. And uh, we, well, over time, you have to decide what I'm going to do my thesis about. And during the course, I had already uh, injected some comments uh, because, well, there was this typical uh, criticism of Heinrich, because Lund is really one of the places uh, that's uh, on the forefront of of new thinking and safety. Mm The course was started by Sidney Decker uh, back well many years ago and and there's a very big in in the re- resilience engineering thinking etc but in a critical way and uh some of the courses i had already injected some comments uh, okay this is the popular understanding of Heinrich, but this is not what he really said because blah, 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 wow. something yeah. And so at some point, my mentor, Johan Bergström, he said, why don't you do your thesis about Heinrich?
2: Mm.
1: And I had some other plans. Actually, I was going to do something with police and just culture and something like that. That was my original idea. But I warmed to the idea and I thought, well, it might be really fun to do uh, something uh, with with Heinrich. For example, exploring some of the questions that I had uh, like um, uh, why was he focusing on a direct cause which from today's perspective uh, doesn't make sense at all Mm. or uh, why did he uh, focus on the human uh, so much if he did so Mm. and well eventually it, it became that subject then and um in my thesis, I then uh, decided to, to contrast how uh, Newview talks about Heinrich, what Heinrich actually did, and why it se- makes sense for both parties to do what they did, which is well, <coughs> the subject of my, my thesis in a, in a nutshell. And then having done that, I uh, decided to write the book about uh, Heinrich. Uh, and his work just to make it available uh, for uh, the well others than myself Uh, heinrich's work it's very hard to find Mm. primary sources his books have been out of print for 40 50 years Um, some of his papers and one or two of his management books can be found online in online uh, libraries but Um, he has written so much more uh, which is totally unavailable but it's foundational for our profession and I think it's important that uh, more people see a bit uh, what he uh, actually did write, and then maybe make up their uh, mind and not just, well copy something that uh, Decker said or that Geller said or Mm. whoever said or what Kostin said of course (laughs) because uh, i can be wrong yeah we'll be misquieting you
0: in a couple of years you watch (laughs) have you always been quite like a critical thinker like have you always been that way inclined like to not join the argument read the book first or or was that like that that's quite interesting because i I think that's a rarity to be like that yeah
1: i'm not sure when it started Hmm, but I think uh, uh, the, the, the Heinrich experience oh, was a real tipping point for me. But I think I, I, actually, it may be one of my mentors at the workshop who uh, who helped me doing my uh, bachelor thesis for, for the safety study. Hmm. Actually uh, helped me think very critically about uh, the uh, management Program we were enrolling at the time,
0: it's it's which get... was
1: very much uh, following the the regulations. And I'm now really thinking aloud. Well, I think that there may be something there that Albert, what's his name, uh, taught me to think very differently, and, and uh, he he helped me to see okay what we're doing is very much a bureaucratic exercise and let's not do that but let's do something that actually helps our middle managers and people on the work floor to do a a good job and to make their everyday safer Mm. and not just fill uh well what's it 30 inches uh, 20 inches of uh, paper
0: definitely because
1: uh, the head of it said so
0: yeah yeah interesting let's uh we we could end up going down the rabbit hole if we if we get onto that especially with me because i I get my soapbox there um let's uh let why don't you why don't you give us an introduction into into the actual man that was was herbert william heinrich heinrich um because i think i think to your point like we we take all those helicopter views, those one-liner quotes, those, those things that we all know that we'll probably discuss later, like the triangle and the dominoes and, and, and the 80%, 88% uh, human errors and all that. But we don't really know the man at all. So i would be interested in just a bit of an insight into him.
1: Yeah and uh, that was one of the important undertakings in my in my uh, research actually because um, i planned to find out why it made sense to him Mm. and one thing you can uh, do normally is go to people and say uh, well james why why did you do this why why (laughs) did you write it like this and then you are probably going to rationalize what you're And then we have some proxy of what what you were thinking. Mm. Uh, That's not possible with Heinrich, of course, because he's been that since 1962. Mm. And, uh, well, we're we're in safety and science and not in seances and stuff like that. So uh, what what I... uh, I tried to get as close as possible uh, to to the man by trying to understand who was he, what did he do, where did he come from. Um, and so I reached out to uh, some people. One of those is Paul Swister. Uh, he, is, uh, he was, uh, because he's retired now, uh, connected to Delft University in the Netherlands. And he has done quite some uh, good work with a couple of colleagues on uh, safety history and, uh, he, under his leadership I would say um, uh, this group has written uh, some great papers in a safety science ma- uh, journal. Uh, and they will come with a book, I think, early next year about the history of safety. highly recommend mm-hmm. it. It's out in Dutch already, uh, last year published, uh, and I, I read the Dutch version, and I'm uh, now doing an English version for uh, Rowletch. Uh, mm-hmm. So they, they did some great work, and they were able to provide me with uh, some of Heinrich's uh, papers, which they had managed to get hold on uh, I- during their work. Uh, in addition, I, I tried to to find all the the uh, various edition of uh, his book uh, because they differ from edition to edition. And um, after being in contact with uh, with uh, Paul, uh, at the Delft University, I also uh, contacted Travelers Insurance, which had been Heinrich's uh, employer in over forty years. Hmm and I asked them do you by any chance have a biography of, uh, of one of your most famous uh, employees uh, because I'm going to do such and so and and I replied quite promptly and very enthusiastically. I, I was in contact with the with the head of uh, their archive uh, Mary Beth Davidson and uh, well, as things go, uh, they, they did have a quite extensive uh, biography, not an official one, but written uh, by uh, by one of their former employees who had worked with Heinrich uh, between 1935 till Heinrich's retirement in, in the 60s.
2: Cool.
1: And um, that was quite cool uh, yeah. to, to get really rich information and and she said um, I can also get you some of his papers because he published a lot in in a journal we uh, published back in the days Um, and um, here's also the address of uh, one of our former employees he's retired now but he uh, actually uh, interviewed the guy who wrote the biography uh, and he may be uh, able to, to give you more information So I got in in contact with him, another bill and (laughs) um, I really got a world of information there. Uh, I got uh, original notes by Heinrich uh, where uh, his first speech, for example, which was typed out and with some comments in in writing and and some meeting, uh, notes of meetings and original papers and so I'm, I managed to do some good uh, safety or span and uh, on the way I found also a bit then uh, about Heinrich uh, the person because they, they had this this uh, in-house magazine for employees, and there were some minor, some small articles of social activities and so on. Okay. And of course, I did some digging on on sites like and. Uh, Ancestry.com uh, and, and the like to just mm. find out the basic data when was he born, who was he married to who were his parents etc so <clears throat> all this to to get a picture of who was this guy, what did he do how did he react I, I also I went on a uh, newspaper.com uh, 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 found all the article uh, clippings, uh, all the newspaper clippings uh, from Hartford uh, Current, for example, where he, uh, uh, where he sometimes wrote letters to the editor and or did some proposal which made the newspaper. And that's quite cool to to yeah, see cool. a, a person from many sides and not just the, well, the images that we all know, that the triangle, the domino, you know, etc.
0: Did any, did anyone survive uh, him? Did he have any family? Did did he?
1: Uh, yes, his wife survived him, and he and and a daughter who probably died in the two thousands. But, but I haven't been able to to trace back uh, mm. where they are. or If he had any uh, grandchildren, mm. which is really a shame because I yeah. would have loved to to get in touch with them. Yeah, that would have been amazing. But some some somewhere did these uh, internet databases are great, but they stop mm-hmm. someplace, and then I just didn't have the time and resources to to go and you know, apply to some civil uh, authority and can you find yeah, for yeah. me and yeah, all that. Cool.
0: Sorry, I interrupted <clears> you
1: no 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 it's it's something i really would have liked to do but yeah, yeah
0: it would have been fascinating <laughs> it's life.
1: hello it's a master thesis
0: <laughs> <laughs> i'm just here because uh there's there's a whole profession that absolutely slag off your great granddad's work and, and i'm trying to work out if he was really bad or actually was he any good <laughs> yeah would you mind a chat <laughs> yeah
1: I did actually track down one of his associates, uh, the son of his, uh, his son, and, and got a good conversation. But he didn't know anything about Heinrich, regretfully. Yeah. Anyway, um, this this was a very long introduction. Uh, why I uh, why I wanted to dive this deeply into uh, into the man's uh, life, just. To get to know and understand him a bit, uh, to be a bit more comfortable, uh, to make some assumptions about why things might make sense for him. Uh, Well, Heinrich, in a nutshell, uh, he was born in, and now I have to be very careful. Let me just look it up. 1891, I think it was. Oh dear. I have the manuscript of my book lying around here, but it's Mm -hmm. 1886. Mm I went for the wrong date. It was one of the the big questions at the start of my uh, research. Uh, When was he born? Because I found uh, uh, conflicting sources. Oh, wow. But this this Bill, the former Billlishait, the former uh, employee from uh, Travelers, he actually went to the cemetery and took a photograph of Heinrich's headstone and uh, said, uh, wow. "Well, he, he, here's the date." <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So, eighty, eighty-six. He was born. Uh, um, uh, some of German immigrants who had come to America ten years before, I think. And um, he went through no special education, like many people at the time. He just stopped working after uh, basic school and he got into engineering. He sailed a bit. He worked for the Navy. And at some point, um, someone encouraged him to uh, to apply uh, at the insurance company, one of the biggest traveler's insurance and uh, become a safety engineer. Uh, first uh, boiler inspection because boiler steam boilers at the time. It's one of the main most dangerous, uh, uh, objects, uh, apart from explosives. <clears throat> and, uh, well, he, in 1913, he became a boiler inspector for them. And that's, we could say his real start in safety served in a, in the navy during world war 1 just a bit at the end uh went back uh to um to the travellers after the the war and uh got into a management role there for the uh, inspection uh, department or part of the inspection uh, department and that's when you see uh, uh, really that He's had his formative years and he picks up uh, uh, well stuff and he starts giving presentations on, on safety safety organization uh, safety uh, safety management we would say today and accident prevention because that's the thing and that's one of the really interesting uh, things for us today I think uh, to, to consider the role of insurance which was quite yeah. different at the time from how we experience ex- uh, insurance uh, as well, ordinary people because we pay insurance. And then if some uh, something happens to your car, you hope you get some uh, money back, but often it's, it's a battle against bureaucracy and they don't want to and whatever, yeah. whatever they're just in it for the money. That's how we see insurance at the time. That's of course one uh, part of it, uh, insurance companies were for the money that they, they wanted to make money, but they actually had a super active role in, uh, in preventing accidents and improving workplace safety at the time mm-hmm. for their own good, but also, um, for the good of the people, the the workers and the employers that uh, that had their insurance uh, for the work workers compensation, uh, with these companies, so these companies and I think uh, travelers was really in the fore there. They were very active, uh, sharing safety information, uh, getting out standards, uh, sharing safe practices, and and uh, advising. Uh, the, the travelers, that they had a, a safety engineer corps of, I think, 450 or something, uh, with which they, which they send out doing inspection and advising at, uh, at well, plants, workshops, etc., to improve the uh, safety. So, Heinrich was one of them, uh, he, he became also a, a manager of, of uh, these, uh, some of these safety engineers. And at some point, um, he started doing uh, some research studies. And uh, the first uh, thing he came with was a ratio for hidden cost. Because uh, if an accident happened, there was direct cost, uh, the the, the medical treatment, work hours lost, etc. But um, he said uh, there's a lot of other costs uh, attached also because uh, other people stop working. You have to to hire new people. You have to train people. Uh, There's a lot of production, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And on average, uh, they calculated it's one to four. And in some uh, industries like construction, probably even higher. And that was uh, his breakthrough uh, message, um, which probably has done a lot of good for safety uh, mm-hmm. because this was an easy to remember uh, number um, which uh, people had been wor- uh, waiting for. How do we convince managers to invest in safety? Uh, this was actually uh, the, the, the precursor to uh, if you think uh, safety is expensive by an accident. Mm. They now could put a number to it. Yeah, yeah. If James doesn't come to his work, okay, so it, it costs you two days uh, time. Um, calculate and do it times five because that's a real cost. Mm. That's a lot yeah. of money. Well, uh, maybe we should buy this, uh, <laughs> make this carding or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's what what really got him going uh, he, he made I think he made, even made some headlines he, he made national paper with it, wow. even though it wasn't new at the time there were many others who had proposed something similar but uh, well he put a number to it based on something and <clears throat> we just have to trust them uh, that uh, that well how he did it was uh, was okay mm. but he gave people something, safety people, something they had been waiting for, a very convincing argument. Mm. And I think, on the back of that success, um, he went to do other studies. And then uh, the next study was uh, what causes most, most accidents. And there comes to the infamous uh, uh, 88%, mm-hmm. where uh, his people said and took tens of thousands of uh, accident reports went through them and decided, was this caused by human uh, uh, cause or uh, machine or physical uh, cause? Or was it a freak accident that couldn't be uh, prevented? And well, that's the, that's the, the ratio 2% non-preventable 10 physical factors and original, this is quite interesting. They said, 88% 88% uh, are causes of a supervisory nature. They pointed first at the supervisor, because they said uh, supervisors, uh, they have the ability to control their people, uh, facilitate their people, so we think uh, they should be uh, called su- supervisory then. And on the back of that study, they came up with what we, now, know as the safety uh, pyramid, accident pyramid, mm. accident ratio Yeah. And well, those are some of his uh, really foundational things, which he, which he did within a very short time uh, between uh, the, the uh, hidden accident and the pyramid. There's two, three years, 1926 wow. to 1929. Mm-hmm. Then in 31, he wrote this famous book. Industrial Accident Prevention, which collects all these ideas and adds 100 pages of guarding and illumination and and other stuff, practical safety stuff, some management, some psychology, and uh, he would uh, rewrite the book or update the book every 10 years, about 41, 50, 59, uh, there are new editions. And in between, uh, he worked especially a lot uh, on, on managers. And I would say Heinrich, uh, he wasn't as much a safety professional. He was uh, maybe more uh, a management advisor, a management consultant. Mm. That's what you, what you see if you read uh, Industrial Accident Prevention, his famous book. Uh, We start reading it as a safety book, uh, and there's a lot of safety in it, but it's firstly addressed to top managers, he says so, in his book, and uh, it's uh, it's mostly a management book. How Mm -hmm. can you manage safety and do it in a practical way, in a fact-based way, and that's the book. Yeah, So it's it's not as much uh, how to do safety, but it's how to manage safety and your other stuff too. Yeah. That's one of his other big messages, integrate safety with all the other stuff you do, because you're a good manager already. Uh, just apply all these things you know to safety, and and you will actually create a, which sounds like a very new view, safety, I would yeah. say. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so... So he, he did this, uh, he made this book, um, he, he did a lot of, uh, other stuff. Uh, during World War II, he came really into uh, the management, uh, business because, um, the department of labor at the time, uh, said, uh, foreman, supervisors, they are really the key persons, they are the persons between top management and uh, the workforce and they have to make uh, workplaces safe, and keep them safe, because an hour lost uh, is an hour not uh, having production for the war effort. And, and this was then framed also in, there's quite some interesting literature from the time, where an accident is framed as a, a well, involuntary sabotage. So. It's it's as blaming as stuff gets. If you have an accident you're not a patriot. <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, well <laughs> I'm so but uh, uh, so management was really in the focus and heinrich started doing during the 40s you see he's uh, mainly busy with uh, with the management work uh, he did uh, and i didn't know this before i started i think few people notice he didn't only write uh, uh, industrial accident prevention his known book he also did uh, three uh, management books mm dedicated to uh, first line managers how they can uh, manage in a practical way uh, uh, safety and production huh. he still has the safety background but he applies the principles also to uh, to production and huh. um, uh, one of the things he writes is uh, many uh, first line managers and I think this is also something that's still true today a lot of uh, first line managers get their job Uh, but uh, then it's, uh, okay, now you're responsible. Good luck.
2: Mm.
1: And and he said that we have to educate these people and we have to educate them in their language and stuff they understand and we have to give them tools to do the job we expect them to do. Because, Mm. and now I'm paraphrasing, it's just not fair uh, that we give them that responsibility and hold them accountable but don't actually prepare them to do the job. Mm. So that's, that was his mission during uh, the 40s. And then, well, in the 50s, uh, he integrated his uh, former uh, work uh, from the industrial accident prevention with the management uh, work. And uh, his 1950 edition of industrial accident prevention is, opens quite cool with a picture. Which is a ladder, five-step ladder, uh, which uh, uh, pictures visualizes uh, how he sees uh, safety uh, management. It's based on some foundation, mission, vision, that kind of stuff. And then he has kind of uh, after having the formal pieces uh, in place, uh, safety organization, management, responsibility, etc. He builds kind of a plan to check, act—not uh, a cycle, but a step ladder to get over a wall or whatever it stands uh, against wow. to 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 go, uh, yeah go up it, it, it was really good with with visuals uh, in some way Do you think so that's, that's what
0: made him stand out from cuz you, you alluded yes, that there was, there was people think. before him but you know is that what <clears throat> makes him get on the national papers and things like that that he wrote it in a way that we that everybody could understand a bit more than the people before
1: him. I think that's that's part of it. Yes. Yeah. Um and it's one of the things I think we can learn from from Heinrich what whatever we think about his ideas and in a way he phrased his uh, his uh, uh, work. I think uh, he did some things that we really can uh, follow as a, where, where he's a good example for us uh, how we can do uh, things. He um and we, we can criticize them, of course, for simplifying stuff, but we, we have to keep in mind his, his audience managers, busy people, many mm. other objectives, and they have also to do safety. So he gave them some easy to remember uh, principles or axioms or checklist like stuff. Four step models. Uh, if you have a problem, uh, you have to will to to approach it. Then you have to find the facts. Then you have to identify the problem, find a good uh, uh, measure and follow up uh, that you uh, apply it. <laughs> That's in, in a nutshell, his uh, safety accident uh, prevention principles mm. and, and stuff like that. So, so for managers, really easy uh, tools. Uh, then he has the eye candy, the, 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 the pictures, mm. uh, which dominoes, if you see a line of dominoes, it's it's a very easy metaphor for cause and effect thinking, mm. and and we can criticize it and We will in in a moment, uh, mm. but it, it's a good metaphor for people who who are not in cause and effect thinking. Uh, okay, if this topples, the next toppled. You get that? Okay, that that's like an accident, a simple accident, mm. and you have the triangle which shows some relation, etc., etc. And a step ladder then, uh, which is not one of his uh, more known, but well, it's one of, the, one of his, uh, I think, really good uh, metaphors. And um, uh, also the numbers, I think, they're really important because uh, many of his um, core messages uh, came with ratios, which are really easy to remember and uh, which anchor in the message. If he spoke about the triangle, he always mentioned the 129, 330 which mm. is a, a number sequence that is, well, too neat to be true, really. But, mm. yeah, okay, it's it's an average, so... But uh, because of of the the numbers, you, you never forget them. Mm. And you always think, okay, that's the, yeah, big stuff can be caused by small stuff, et cetera. One to four for costs and 88%. Because
0: uh, it's kind of like, uh, that was his that that was what what kind of threw him into the limelight and got him that made him so popular but in a way it's the it's the same kind of thing that's caused the problems now isn't it because in a way, we just talk about pictures and the numbers, which are the things that are easy to remember. There's not a lot of context around yeah. it, which I think we'll come on to. But it, it's just interesting that the thing that made him so successful is how he communicated it so simple to, to the right audience, you know, management and stuff. like. That. I think we all do that as safety professionals. We, we can talk in big phrases and talk about research and all these big big kind of articles. But then how do we communicate that to the board, to management? We try and for lack of a better phrase kind of dumb it down and i don't mean that the board is dumb but we, we kind of communicate in their language and ultimately that's the thing that's kind of come and bit him in the in the metaphorical butt really which is just fascinating yeah yeah
1: it, yeah, it does and uh, you see it with with any any popular tool uh five y, which is you yeah. could say it's a descendant of the dominoes uh it's it's too simple for for real real stuff but it's it's perfect for simple problem solving and that's what it was intended for mm. and then the swiss cheese is is probably the the most famous example of stuff uh well People just reduce it to the, those five slices of cheese and, and ignore all the text that, that's around it, and that describes the well, the the, the really nitty gritty details of the holes moving to, over the, the cheese then, and opening and closing and. Mm which says something about the dynamics, but we just see the the slices in in line, and then uh, we think, uh, okay, that's a very linear uh, model of uh, barriers. Mm. Mm, It is in part, but uh, there's also a lot of dynamics. So actually there's quite some complexity uh, caught into that uh, uh, metaphor.
0: Mm. Wow, it's fascinating. So let let, let's uh, so we've we've alluded to it a couple of times, but let's let's kind of get into a couple of his examples. I think the 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 triangle I think would be a good place to start. Would Would you agree? Mm -hmm. Like so, uh, also also the
1: most difficult. So we have to be we have to say that we only can touch upon it here because it's a massive subject.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need a, a mini series just on Heinrich. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So, okay, a brief uh, kind of as, as brief as you can. What is the what is the triangle? I know we we've kind of just touched on it, but just kind of what what it is, or, or what he kind of um, yeah, what what you believe it, it should have been, and then kind of why we criticise it, and then after that, I suppose we'll we'll yes, we'll we'll chat it out as to whether we think the criticism is fair, unfair and so on
1: yeah well um in his it's most simple form i would say uh the accident ratio or the 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 that's how he called it he never called it triangle or the pyramid or the iceberg that were people after him um But the the, the, the triangle uh, in its most easy form, it's an illustration for um, when something happens and you say, oh, shit, that could have been worse. Mm. That's what the triangle is about. (laughs) Uh, Big stuff. uh, Or small stuff uh, has uh, often the potential to become something much worse. Uh, But, and this is more or less uh, how we said it, uh, commonly we only investigate when something bad happens. Right. So we don't do an investigation uh, if we just overfill our pressure vessel and everything goes fine and we run production. But if that pressure vessel uh, uh, overflows and we get some kind of combustion and explosion and half of the refinery disappears. Then we have a, a well, national investigation board that starts looking at uh, what happened here. Interesting. He said, uh, so, uh, what we actually do is deprive ourselves of a lot of opportunities uh, to learn, uh, we we could have done this earlier and thought about well okay this this went just right um, what could have been uh, how how did that come and what can we do to prevent it from becoming worse. Hmm. So um, I think at a time I found very few authors uh, at the time because I uh, read a lot of his uh, contemporary uh, authors and the people that uh, he lists in his bibliography probably influenced him. Uh, there are very few who speak of this kind of thinking of uh, thinking about potential in, in events and uh, acting on weaker signals than uh, the, the injury. He speaks mostly of injuries because Mm -hmm. he was very uh, on on an occupational uh, uh, side. He says that we we, uh, investigate an uh, injury and then we do something. Um, Why don't we uh, start earlier? Mm. All the weak weak signals, the the conditions or the acts that come before uh, the the big thing happens. Or the big consequence uh, uh, manifests itself.
0: That's interesting because the way you describe that, the, 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 the kind of other examples, I've, so when, you, when you're describing it, I'm thinking of um, in, in Sidney Decker's book in Field Guide to Human Errors, I think it is, where he, he has the, the X and the Y axes and then the, the wavy yeah. lines going up and down and then a line along the top. Um, that basically says when, once you cross this line that that's a serious accident but, but hmm. what we what we don't see is that that wavy line is is us making mistakes you know every single day but we do, we're we not crossing the line we're coming extremely close to it but we're not crossing it. and you've got eric's version of that where where the uh, uh, you know events go to both sides and it's success and failure hmm. and so on and they're in the middle and it sounds extremely similar to to those two ways of yeah, thinking okay. Wow, but it, that's not how we talk uh, about it, is it? We don't talk about the triangle. No, it's
1: like that. It's, it's it's not because um, we we don't talk uh, about uh, Heinrich's uh, version at all. I think. Wow. We see a triangle and then uh, we attribute it to Heinrich because he was the first to to come with the idea, but. Uh, all the criticism uh, that comes now, which then is directed towards Heinrich, is actually about uh, the, the misapplications that have come all the years after Heinrich, and and the the, the various uh, misuses and well, confusions uh, about uh, the the subject. Mm.
0: So a lot of the criticism. Heinrich, what by... actually? Sorry, no, oh, you yeah. go.
1: Yeah, I, I was saying uh, Heinrich was actually already aware of some of the confusions because in the last edition of his book, which he uh, which he uh, ordered, uh, he says something about the uh, misdirections, and he stresses, uh, for example, uh, the fact that the the numbers one twenty nine, three hundred thirty, or one twenty nine three hundred. That's just uh, an average, and it doesn't apply uh, apply to uh, to all cases, and uh, there will be variations. Which he wow. illustrates with a lot of examples. Uh, by the way, <laughs>
0: <coughs> that's fascinating. So he he even yeah. he even predicted our uh, our stupidity in safety professionals. He even predicted yeah. that we were gonna we were gonna talk about this and criticize his work from a helicopter view. That's interesting.
1: Yeah it doesn't go really deep, but there are some real confusions. And um, uh, one of the problem is, for example, that people uh, talk about the ratio as if it is a, a law of nature. Mm. Uh, I've actually been in a meeting, and I think I write about it in 16 mid 101, uh, where we were with a group of, I think it was railroad people, and and one guy and luckily I don't remember who it is or what country he was from. He stood up and he said, "I'm sure we have uh, uh, underreporting." I thought, "No, we too." So whatever, uh, try to do something about it, and most of all, live with it. But mm. uh, he said, uh, "Because uh, our numbers don't match up with the safety triangle," and I thought, "Oh my God." Mm. So, you really believe that for every big accident, you have to have 300 uh, near misses. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Especially and there are a l- there's been a lot of research uh, into to, uh, various uh, uh, sectors and also countries, but I tried to replicate and, and find different ratios. And that makes sense because. It's, it's specific, it depends on the scenario and the circumstances and, and whatever. And the numbers don't matter at all. The numbers are just to anchor in the message, uh, I think.
0: Uh, just an illustration.
1: It's it's an illustration of, uh, and I think, uh, uh, what's his name, McKinnon, uh, I think he, he wrote it uh, very nicely. Uh, and he says, uh, it's n- not the numbers, but it's uh, a few more well, no, uh, many more, many less few. That's it. Many there are less. many near misses. Yeah. Uh, there are a bit more, uh, well, minor accidents, first mm-hmm. help, etc. There are very few, luckily, very few serious uh, injuries. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, I think, but it's not as sketchy to say uh, many less few it's easier to say uh, 329 and uh, one because it's, yeah. uh, that sounds like science. It's a yeah. number. Wow.
0: <laughs> like when we've had 339 miss, near misses, <laughs> yeah. everyone's like walking around, like just waiting to, to die. Yeah, like one, uh, one of us is going to die now
1: that that that's the next uh, mis- misinterpretation that people think there's something predictive. Oh, we've had uh, 2000 uh, near misses, so uh one of these days somebody's going to die.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. And uh, no because you you don't know your ratio. Yeah. Y- you can do it for a light bulb pre- probably because uh, you know a light bulb uh, will go within so, so many uh, times switched on and off because the factories test them for that. <clears throat> but is, uh, is, y- you can do it for human interaction and all that is, complex
0: stuff. It's kind of a problem that that we 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 kind of saw that they were all connected. So we we would so for example, like you were saying, a, a near miss may be that we were overfilling. You know something, or, or uh, I don't know. It might be that you know this one time we were going into a, a confined space, we forgot to test test the the atmosphere. But that time it was fine. You know, nothing happened. It, that that's the that I feel like that's what it's trying to tell us it's just because at that time it was fine. How many more times is that near miss happening? And then that one time it won't be fine is when it's going to happen. And I think that I felt like the problem was is that we 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 felt like Say slips and trips are connected to confined space, for example, or working at height we're saying yeah. or oh, if we if we have six thousand you know four thousand whatever based on the ratio near slips, we're gonna have a death working at height, and it's like that they're, they're completely disconnected in a way like we yeah. we took it as gospel to say that all of these near misses are all going to indicate that somewhere in the business we're going to have a fatality and then that kind of I suppose that brings it to kind of say like maybe Todd Conkin's criticism where it's like that doesn't indicate fatalities because it's like a completely different area like we need to focus on the big stuff and not the little stuff. I feel like that's where our misinterpretation was that we thought this stuff yes, was directly connected <clears throat>
1: Uh, there are a lot of companies and also regulators uh, and so on that uh, have constructed uh, triangles uh, where they mesh everything together Um, heinrich uh, he uh, says uh, quite explicitly uh, this is an average People tend to forget it, but he says this is an average mm. of uh, the, the one twenty-nine three hundred is an average of fifty thousand cases. I think,
2: right.
1: uh, and then he gives a number of examples uh, of the cases that uh, he bases his uh, this average on, and um, he um, and you see uh, uh, he has separate ratios inside th- those cases. Mm. Because there's, for example, uh, the, one of the things I remember is there's a a, a worker at crossing railroad tracks uh, on the work to on the on uh, the way to his job, and he does this for three years or something, and then he gets hit by a train. Mm and he's he's not dead, I think, but he's, he's severely uh, injured. Mm-hmm. And he said this this was then a one to some thousand uh, ratio, and then he has some other cases with other ratios. Mm-hmm. So he he describes them in his examples as scenario specific, and then he makes an average of those specific uh, cases. Yeah. what a lot of people and regulators and organizations do they mesh all their accidents and incidents together into one big uh, pyramid. Yeah. Um, Frank Bird, one of the people who came with new uh, new triangles, uh, I think he he doesn't present any specific cases. He just uh, presents his new uh, pyramid. And and says it's based on I don't know uh, uh, 1.7 million cases or something. And in the UK, uh, the HSE has for some years uh, also uh, published the ratios for uh, uh, work for work accidents in the UK. And I just mesh everything together uh, Mm. on on the consequence. And then I get a one to something to 70 ratio. And that's okay. If you want to use it as some kind of a benchmarking, uh, how did we do this year and uh, next year, but it doesn't say a thing uh, predictively because you've mixed so many scenarios that it, that has lost all meaning. And that's uh, the, the example from Todd, uh who who says ankle sprains don't prevent uh, a blowout mm. because it, it would really be a freak accident where an ankle sprain or somebody slipping uh, triggers uh, a well to blow out. I, mm. I can't imagine it even. But yeah. uh, 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 slipping uh, does of course, uh, if you do something about the slipping, you can prevent the fatality from somebody uh, falling down a stair or hitting his head really ugly on, on a uh, well sharp object uh, that's in the neighborhood. But so if you want to look at, at the well blowout, you have to look at uh, how does this uh, blowout preventer work yeah. and are there any uh, uh, leakage problems? and and Deepwater Horizon, they did have a lot of uh, weak signals, I think.
0: Mm. So it's kind of like, so as I kind of interpreted it, the, the, the two, the, the Heimrich originally intended it to try and say that there's a ratio for each say let's say risk so each kind of risk area whether it's like blow out working at height confined space slips and trips cuts and bruises right. whatever there's, there's each one of those essentially could have a ratio but it will be completely different um, so it's kind of like the problem is that we thought that it was one ratio or one triangle for our entire safety system our entire business but actually it should have been a series of different ratios throughout our, our, our entire business. And not to say that it would have then been predictive, but it would have been probably like indicative or, or like indicators, like you say. Is, is yeah,
1: that-, that, that, that the precursors or the weak signals or the near misses become some kind of a predictive of a big stuff that might happen. And then mm-hmm. you have, to, of course, to decide that uh, shall I do something about it or not? Uh, because, well, paper cut in a in copy room, yeah, sure, somebody can die if it gets infected and blood poisoning and blah blah blah. But <laughs> yeah. really.
0: Yeah, but that doesn't indicate that someone's gonna fall off the roof next week. No. They're, they're two completely <clears throat> separate ratios to be to, to
1: unless of course you you cut your finger on on the risk assessment and he doesn't get it and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that still would be a freak accident. <laughs>
0: oh Please tell me there's an accident report out there that somewhere says that. Why didn't you read the risk assessment? Well, the safety guy was dropping it off but cut his finger on it. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> so it got all bleedy and we couldn't read it. Yeah. <laughs> the, the entire matrix was blood red, yeah. so <laughs> we didn't know what to do. <laughs> <clears throat> the, the fun thing is, I don't have, I don't have it documented. But I had once a discussion with uh, with someone, uh, and I said, "Well, uh, it was a real serious process uh, accident." And I said, "Well, uh, uh, incidents in in the kitchen uh, aren't predictive of that." And he actually had an example from somewhere where something in the kitchen happened, which triggered something else on a
0: ship. I think so yeah oh, wow. <clears throat> I just, yeah, I think I feel like you know when I talk to I like when I talk to um I go on Ron Gantt's calls quite a lot and I and I really like the way that Ron Gantt talks about it and I, when I say that and and I know he, you know this is a lot of people kind of say this but you know he, he always says that you know the, the problem is that it's complex um and that, that I think I feel like that the the root cause of the problem with, with the kind of conversation that we're having around Heinrich and, and criticizing his work is that not just safety professionals, but businesses and, and you know what, probably even societies looking for a simple solution. We're looking for a a one answer to to everything. Look at the way we, we try to lose weight and diet. You know, we're all looking for that pill that we can take every morning that just turns us into Zac Efron or, do you know what I mean? And and I think we are doing exactly the same in the safety world maybe even doing it with safety 1 and safety 2 now we're just like oh, boom safety 2 is the answer off we go let's jump on this coach and uh, i think like that that is like one of our biggest problems here. yeah yeah interesting
1: Sa- safety is hard work and I, I really love i don't know if you uh, know the quote by james reason it's from uh, his uh, his book uh, the human uh, contribution at the end mm. where he says that uh, safety is a guerrilla war and in the end you're probably going to lose it because of entropy something i'm paraphrasing mm-hmm. a bit mm. yeah and i i have to print I like it that. out and it's uh, <laughs> in my office on the wall and yeah. i like that it it makes one very humble about <laughs> what we are doing <laughs> yeah. and 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 one shouldn't read it you can of course read it in a very fatalist way and say okay so no <laughs> why should we bother then but mm. I think it's, it's rather encouragement to try as hard as you can and you know,
0: what book was try that? anyway,
1: even though you know you're going to lose. Yeah. yeah.
0: What book was we're, that at the end of? We're
1: trying anyway to make it as good as...
0: Hmm? Sorry, what? Uh, so, what? I, I missed what, what, what... He's got more than one book, hasn't he, James Reason? I just wonder what book was yeah, that.
1: Yeah, he's got uh, something like 10. Maybe. Yeah, he's going to say. But it's if, from which, The Human which... Contribution. Human contribution. Cool. I, I, I will mail it to you. Cool.
0: That's uh Andrews. Right, cool. Okay, let let's uh, I feel like we've hashed a triangle out. I feel I, I would summarise that the criticism that, that we give the the triangle is in a way not fair, but it it is fair to the current interpretation of the triangle. But the problem yes. is is how we interpret the triangle. Would you agree? Yes.
1: I fully agree, and I want to add one thing. And when Heinrich spoke of the triangle, uh, he speaks of it in terms of an opportunity. It's mm-hmm. a it's a uh, metaphor for an opportunity. Something small happens, and you have the opportunity to do something to prevent uh, uh, worse. Uh, and 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 it's your choice whether you take that opportunity or not. And, of course, you have to choose between various opportunities. So pick your uh, opportunities wisely. But that's that's his main message, which is always forgotten, I think. Wow, I like that. Yeah, I I like that also. And and it links also very nicely to uh, Eric Holnagel's uh, latest book. Where he uh, around page forty five I think it is, where he talks about learning opportunities, mm. and uh, to me, he phrases uh, the the triangle in an other way, and then he has also this picture with the x and a y axis, and if you look at it, it looks actually what is drawn in a, a a triangle that is tilted uh, into the the axis
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. You should just like turn it so it looks like a triangle, take a picture and send it to Eric. <laughs> yeah. And be like, I think you copied uh, I, this. I, I, I think he knows. Yep. <laughs> <Yeah. clears throat> well, okay, let's uh because so much I want to discuss here, but like I feel like we've we've smashed a triangle out. And like you say, I feel well, we could probably talk about this all day, but let let's go on to the domino, which I think is another another interesting um, theory. Yeah. So could you give us like the same thing really like give us an introduction as to what the domino theory is and then from there <clears> get into yeah,
1: yeah the, the domino uh theory as we call it Heinrich didn't uh, he called it the accident sequence it's uh, actually one of the and probably uh, the first real accident model um, that was created Heinrich came with it in 1934 Uh, He was not really the one who, um, well he invented the the metaphor, I think, and connected it to to safety, to accidents. Uh, He was very much inspired uh, in his thinking here uh, by a guy who was quite famous before the World War in uh, US safety, that's Louis Dubois. Uh, he was the safety manager of uh, DuPont, the first safety director, I think, or VP of safety of DuPont, the, the wow. big uh, industrial company. And um, he, one of his uh, great contributions to safety, and, and there are several, um, I really recommend uh, getting his book. It's freely available online about the safety organization and um, he is, I think, the first to pose uh, accident as a process. Uh, He didn't picture it, but he discussed accident as a process where you first have causes, Mm -hmm. then there is an event, and then you have outcome. So he separated these three things, uh, which was, I think, quite groundbreaking at the time because if you read all the early uh, literature, uh, you see that people mesh accident and outcome or accident and causes, they mesh them all together and they're very, what should I say, they're they're not very careful in describing the the distinctions uh, between the, the things. And of course, they're relative because you choose what you choose as cause and what you choose as the event and what you choose as the outcome. Then it, it all depends where you, where you start. Uh, If you choose, um, let me take an example. If, if I, if I walk uh, down the stairs and I uh, slip and fall, um, do I start by slipping or do I start uh, by falling? Because that, that shifts the, the causal, the causes and the effects a bit. It's not the best picture, but yeah,
0: yeah. So do you? But 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 you
1: you, you, you choose something and and then build your model from there. So so he has this process thinking, and he had just three. Uh, Heinrich enlarged that then into uh, he he kept the three phases: the causes, the accident itself, and uh, its consequences, the outcomes. And uh, Heinrich drew it as as five uh, domino tiles. Where the final tile that was the the damage, the injury before it, the accident, the event, the fall, for example. And then uh, you had three uh, causal uh, dominoes before it direct causes, uh, the the stuff happening just before uh, the accident. So if I fall, I fall because I slipped, because my shoes were slippery, or there was some banana peel on the on the stairways or whatever and then you you have uh, the he called it uh, um, not underlying he called it uh, personal fault but say the underlying causes and then you had the, the real basic causes uh, at well the outmost the first domino hmm. you had three causal dominoes the accident and the outcomes and that's that's uh, his his domino model, and uh, he said uh, you you can prevent the, the the accident. He didn't focus on uh, on the outcomes. He said uh, to prevent the accident, you have to prevent the uh, direct causes from happening. So you have to get out that middle tile. Mm-hmm. And he actually the draws yeah, first the five tiles, and then there's a drawing of a big hand picking out the the middle domino. So to prevent the other dominoes of falling.
0: And, and what's, the, what's the criticism of that theory then? Because I don't see much wrong with, with that. So. No, because
1: for, for simple uh, simple events, as I said earlier, it's it's a perfect uh, illustration to describe a, co- a cause and effect uh, sequence to people. You don't have to know anything about safety, but you, you get the toppling dominoes and mm-hmm. cause effect, cause effect, cause effect. And, and dominoes are used
0: quite, um, quite dominoes, uh, the, the idea of a domino is used quite a lot to describe like a tightly coupled system, um, which was, I remember when someone sent me to a website when I said, what the hell is a tightly coupled system? Went there and I watched well, this video and this guy went, a tightly coupled system, is dominoes when one falls knocks the next and I was like, hmm, that's quite an easy way to think of it. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting. Anyway, sorry, yeah, carry yeah.
1: on. So, no, no. That's a, that's, a, that's a nice uh, digression. Uh, one one of the things uh, that I get criticized for is because of the linearity. Right. Because one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. That in some situations, that's how it is. But often uh, stuff is much more complex like that, of course. Right. Because also it, accurate, it branches right? out. Uh, mostly there there's some direct thing, but then there there are maybe hundreds of reasons why that thing was there. So right. that's that's one of the one of the uh, things uh, to to criticize him for. And then you could say, uh, why should you focus on the direct cause? Because that's what he seemingly does. He says, uh, take out the direct cause. Well, that's just sting. Uh, happening just before something happened often human act there is the link to to human error etc mm. um uh, we have i don't know when you had your safety education but uh, when when i was educated i was uh, taught uh, to concentrate on underlying causes because they would have the wider reaching and more basic effect and blah 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 and direct mm. causes are just the symptoms of uh, something wrong in the system yeah yeah, so that, that's the other uh, main point of criticism.
0: So they sound quite fair to me, like fair yeah, criticism. Yeah, totally. So would you say uh, of, this one wasn't? A, so would Sorry? you say this one wasn't a wasn't so much a case of misinterpretation? This was a case of of it. it maybe his work was right for the time, but now we've we've evolved on to think wider or do you think the criticism it's, is
1: it's against, uh... it's that's one of the things and he actually uh, he actually uh, writes this in his work he says uh well there are of course a wealth of other uh, uh, causes but if people don't get this basic thinking uh why should we bother going more uh, complicated explanations that's huh. just huh. Let, let, let's just do this easy stuff and it will probably fix uh, 50% of the accidents. This is more or less what he says. Uh, let's first do this. It, it halves the accidents and then we can uh, see if we uh, proceed over that. Wow. So th- that, that's one thing. Uh, the, the other uh, thing is uh, keep in mind his audience, managers, busy yeah. people, uh, wanting quick solutions. He presents them with a very neat uh, systematic model which they can follow which uh, fixes a lot of problems um, uh, yeah, that they are super happy uh, mm. and they actually can improve with it not perfect but uh, also uh, the workplaces were much more linear at the time eric uh, uh writes this a couple of times he says uh were places in the 20s, 30s, they were much more manual, uh, retractable, etc. So, mm-hmm. uh, Domino was very appropriate there instead of much more complex. Uh, uh, yeah. And, and it's the application. We shouldn't uh, use uh, the Domino model to. Uh, well give me an example explain uh, uh, the challenger uh, uh, disaster for example mm,
0: yeah
2: but then,
1: it, it, it 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 may work very well uh, me running into a door
0: <laughs> i think it's 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 fascinating that he's got the comments on the side like like you said there that he'd gone you know obviously there there's a lot more complexity to this but You know, it's kind of like he's saying, you know, let's do baby steps right now. You know, if you can't understand this, then there's no way I'm going to tell you about the other stuff, which I think is is interesting. is is one of is is one of the problems that we don't that we not we're not appreciating who his audience was. Then you know, when we're criticizing his work, it's safety professionals that are criticizing his work mostly, and 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 that work was not really targeted towards safety professionals. It was targeted towards management who like you say extremely busy not educated in safety you know they want a simple answer a simple solution because the the theory in in in, for all of these is that there is a ratio that could help indicate the potential for something to go wrong and that the the dominoes shows us that there is some kind of causal link within within the workplace with with you know near misses and stuff he's I feel like what he's saying to us that the theory in its simplest form still works nowadays. It's still like, you know, there is some form of connection to, to, to work your way back. It's kind of saying if you were to kind of reverse engineer an accident, you will find something because the dominoes kind of says that and and so on and so forth with, with the triangle that the problem is that now uh, yeah, I feel like the problem is that well, I know where I'm trying to go with this, is, but I didn't want to say the, the phrase, local rationality, because I've stolen it off of you, actually. I've never heard of it before until, <laughs> until I heard your presentation, and, and I was trying to say it without saying it, but, but that, I feel like that is what we're missing here. We're just not taking into account what his work was meant for. If that makes sense.
1: His work was, was uh, uh, first and all, first Firstly, I think, uh, uh, help to practical uh, problem solving mm. for managers, for workers, for safety engineers, or safety professionals, as we call them now, uh, practical tools. He was mm. a practical man.
0: But in the workplace he, now,
1: he, like he, you said. He wasn't an academic, uh, even, even though he taught at universities uh, later in his life. Mm. But, uh, he was just a practical man, uh, grown-up blue-collar uh, background, and, well, work his way up.
0: I like that. Humble beginnings. I like that. Relatable. Yeah. So with we, that kind of, kind of in mind, when we're having those, let's say, debates, because they're nice when they're debates, but they, they often descend into arguments. But when we're talking about this kind of safety one, safety two, and, and we're having these kind of debates or highlights triangle, like – the debates is good, but I feel like there's a, there's a there's a lesson here, and you you kind of touched on it there with what you said, like how Eric kind of says in his work that you know we have to understand that the workplace has changed and it was a bit more linear back back then, and now it's now it's much more complex. I feel like we lack a bit of a hat tip to some, and that's just the way I kind of do it a, a phrase I hear a lot from from more reasonable people is, you know, we stand on the shoulder of giants, which I quite like that saying. Cool. Um, but, you know, I always think, you know, we can criticize, criticize someone's work if we go, you know, a little hat tip to say, actually, you know, you've done really well. So from, from the safety one to safety two kind of argument, just using those phrase, phrases just for the sake of this conversation, otherwise it gets unbelievably complicated. But to kind of put them into two camps, the traditional safety and like a, a kind of new view or whatever, we, we sometimes lack that hat tip to say, you know, since uh, 74, since the, was it 1974, the health at work Act came out, you know, since then, when we, we kind of put all of those acts together, we have seen a massive amount of improvement, especially if you're just looking at like the kind of um, quantitative kind of data with your, with your fatality rates, for example, we, we have seen improvements. But when we criticize the kind of previous way we work on safety or maybe bad safety, we just don't say great job getting us here, but now we need something else. Like, do you you get what I'm trying to say? Like we, we miss that, that kind of hat tip a lot of the time.
1: Yeah. Uh, I totally agree. And, uh, uh, when you were talking, I was thinking about this book. I don't know if you if you know the. It's one of the most famous management books. I think getting to yes. Sorry, say you've again? heard about it. Getting to yes. Do you know uh, what I you say? It's one of the most
0: famous ones, and famous I haven't. Ma- heard of
1: management it. books. It's about a negotiation in basic.
0: Okay,
1: it's a, it's a, it's a great a great book, and you will find it uh, probably on every airport uh, bookshop if you get to go to airports ever in the future.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Anyway, uh, but but uh, it's it's uh, yeah it's a million seller, and I really uh, recommend reading it, uh, even though it isn't about safety at all, and uh, it's mostly about uh, negotiation. But uh, we are actually. Uh, Working for uh, for a common uh, goal, improvement mm. of safety. but Whether you uh, are on the BBS side or uh, safety two side or wherever you stand, you, you should work for the common uh, goal. And mm. one of the, uh, the the key things in this book, uh, uh, getting BS yes, is uh, find this common uh, common goal you have, and that will make your negotiation much easier. Because it's easier to understand where you both want to go and then you will probably find and work out uh, some way to do it together instead of okay we are here and you're there and well we are willing to give a bit and you get to some, some really weird compromise or you leave each other and agree to disagree. Mm. <clears throat> and I don't think safety one, safety two, they don't need uh, to agree to disagree. Uh, I think both have, have uh, to bring something to the table to to improve worker safety. Yeah. And sometimes we need a, a, a simple domino or 5Y or whatever just to to solve a, a simple problem and some things, uh, sometimes we have a really complex problem and then we need stamp or whatever uh, other uh, model to to figure out what's really going on
0: here yeah, I love that no i so, think I think <laughs> i think that that's one lesson it's i think there's i feel like there's two lessons we can take out of the work that you've done and i think that is one of them it's that common goal you know we're all trying to do the same thing here um you know and if we actually stop bickering with each other we might actually work out that we, you know we've, we've all got something to bring to the table i feel like the 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 other lesson is um he, he's kind of trying to address mis, misrepresentation and i feel like we we misrepresent heinrich like I, up from our conversation um i i have definitely misrepresented him um you know i've crit, criticized his work until i heard your presentation and spoke to you today i would have you know been very critical of that stuff and it was turns out it's completely not what he's written and then and i, I think we even do this now in more modern work and and I mentioned the book earlier, but and it's fresh in my mind because I've not so long ago read it because I'm, I'm way behind the curve of everyone else, but Sidney Decker's book in the Field Guide to Human Error, I felt like behavioural-based safety was mi- misrepresented in there. I felt like we were talking about, I call it good safety and bad safety. I feel like it was bad e- examples of bad or poorly implemented behavioural-based safety that he was referencing, but calling it behavioural-based safety. And I just felt like, you know, we'd we'd not learn our lesson here. We're doing the same thing again, which we're just it fueling the argument, fueling the debate by saying anyone that practiced in behavior based safety was completely wrong because this is what we do. You know, we just go, here's a video of loads of real stupid people doing stupid stuff. And now we need to say, that's your fault. Don't you do that? Well, that's not behavior based safety. That's just a poor implementation of behavior based safety, in my opinion. So I feel like that's the second lesson we can take away from your from your work.
1: Yeah, I, I like that one very much, and uh, I also like that you uh, take uh, BBS as an example because last year I've studied uh, quite a lot of the, the foundational texts for uh, behavior-based safety, and of course we can discuss uh, if. Uh, Kinnerian psychology really applies to to humans because humans aren't rats and pigeons. Mm -hmm. But on the other side, we we have to admit that we do react to to stimulants, so Mm -hmm. that there's something in it. But I I was truly surprised when I read the early work by, for example, uh, uh, Geller... Uh, to see how much emphasis he puts on non-behavioral actions. Because he suggests, and Frank Bird, who was probably the first to write an article about uh, behavior-based safety in 1970, uh, he says start with the workplace. And if you go even further back in the beginning of the century, uh, Frederick Taylor, the man we load now for uh, making our workplaces uh, all formalized and best practice, blah, blah, blah. Mm. The first thing he came with was uh, invest in, in in the environment. Because if you create an environment where people uh, can uh, Produce as much as they can. He he was for production and efficiency. Uh, if you fix the workplace first, they will produce more. So it's it's, it's quite because well we we see Taylor as the big devil uh, of workplaces. He actually was kind of a proto uh, ergonomist in a way. Mm-hmm. That's that's. I-
0: I think we see we see that even now. I think there's a, there's a, there's a quite a popular video of uh, a certain Mr. Geller and a certain Mr. Conklin on a on a debate. Um, yeah, uh, I know I would. Yeah. They're saying the same stuff. It, I like. I am honest. Like this is how I felt. So I, you know, nobody can tell me I'm wrong because it's my opinion. But when I watched that, I was sitting there and I'm like, you're both saying the same thing, but in different ways but yet refuse to agree with each other. Like, and I understand that there's a lot going on here. I understand that, you know, I'm not naive to, to, to sit here and say, you know, why can't we just sit and agree with each other and there will be a beautiful place, but like, you know, they're trying to make money. And if, if their book sells more than it, I get what they're trying to do. Like I get, there's some of that there. Um, I don't think that drive, I'd like to think it doesn't drive them more than, than, than the actual, you know, what they're trying to achieve but it's frustrating when I sit here and I think, you know, we're arguing where BBS will argue, say Scott Geller says it quite a lot. And I say this a lot in the podcast, but Scott Keller says, you know, the environment defines the behaviors, but then Todd will say context kind of drives the behavior. So it's, but it's exactly the same. We, one just calls yeah, it environment. Just one just calls it context. Exactly. Um, and I just, I, I get so frustrated with it sometimes. And, I wonder whether, you know, whether the work you're doing, I know you're currently writing your book, but I wonder whether this is just a thing that we need is to just stop, understand we're all trying to achieve the same thing and just have kind of open debates. I think a debate is a good thing. I think we can all grow and criticize each other's work, but, but do it and, from a position of, of learning maybe yeah
1: yeah I, t- I totally agree and at the same time we must be watchful uh, for uh, practices uh, going uh, uh, the wrong way because mm-hmm. you do have shallow implementations of uh, bbs you do have uh, misapplications of triangles and whatever swiss keys a- and and you name it and and uh, the the wrong applications uh, of, of uh, safe to practices are just around the corner uh, i don't have an example already but well, I've, i i think it was uh, um ah, what, what what's his name uh, the, the hot nerd uh, well i think i, I think know he, i think
0: i know exactly what you're going to talk about and i think it was actually yeah, a conversation the, between ju- just, me. just
1: culture a bit yeah 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 oh, the, 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 the the podcast you had uh, and, and he says something about just culture and i think yeah just culture isn't a safety two thing per se, but there you see already uh, applications that, <sighs> yeah, that that don't have anything to do with just culture as such, as mm. a safety two uh, or a safety differently, mm-hmm. or uh, Decker presents them, but it's just about organizational uh, justice.
0: And and I think in that same conversation I had with with Sam uh, Goodman. Sam, yeah, that's. I um sorry Sam <laughs> <laughs> uh I I've quite have been quite critical of of professor Geller for for one reason i listened to an interview of him a while ago and and he i to to kind of probably misquote him ironically but in in a way he essentially says my idea around behavioral-based safety was the environment defines the behaviors, and and uh, we need to consider all the stuff, all the context in the environment, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then he said the word, the phrase that that kind of gets to me. Um, and he said it's not my fault. The consultant sold it that way. He said I'm a psychologist. I'm not a, a marketer. I'm not a consultant. It's not my fault. They they kind of, you know, misinterpreted it and it and implemented it for a quick buck. Um, and I was just I felt a bit frustrated when I first heard that and I know I think you actually emailed me um, kind of giving some feedback on it but it's
1: yeah I did
0: yeah it it is it is frustrating in a way that and I understand he's only one man and he can't you know reach around the world and tell everybody to do it right and this misinterpretation and these these kind of you know everything everything made for good can be used for bad I understand that but I just sit there and I just think we're all arguing about behavior-based safety versus new view or safety two or whatever we want to call it, but we're not arguing about behavior-based safety and and safety two. We're arguing about the poor implementation of behavior-based safety and safety two. And I just that yeah, but I mean I think that was that was another example from from what you were saying in that conversation because me and Sam spoke for about three hours and. It was like 8 o'clock at night where I was, and I think I'd already started on the beers. <laughs>
1: <clears throat> yeah, but uh, I, I share your frustration uh, to a certain degree. Uh, cause it, it sounds like, uh, like Geller is this uh, this uh, academic in this ivory tower and uh, whatever happens out there in the real world, whatever. Um <clears throat> But I, I think, uh, sure, he has some kind of obligation, I think. Then there, uh, I think uh, um, this will happen. Let's just uh, be realistic. Yes. Yeah,
0: if you come up with really, a great yeah.
1: great idea, somebody will adopt it, I think, and think, uh, hey, this uh, this suits nicely my problem. Let's tweak it a bit and do this. and And some... Really great stuff uh, can come out of that. So you yeah. have to be open that that people adapt and play with it and change it and, and so on. Uh, also, uh, all the great uh, ideas that academics come with uh, have to be operationalized. Uh, yeah. That they have to be translated to to the workplace because if you come with, uh, I think that there's a great merit to to the from model uh, of of uh, for example. But it's awfully complicated. Mm. If you stumble, you're not going to do a frame. And then this is uh, off of the event. Uh, then you you go to 5Y or the dominoes. Uh. Mm. So this translation is needed. And if you translate, uh, you're going to miss something. And then yeah. it's the, the, I think that the problem is, where do you say, okay, uh, now we are really Going so far away from the idea that it becomes uh, that it begins to be uh, bad practice,
2: mm.
1: and BBS has reached some of those stations. And then I think we should act as a profession and say, uh, uh, "Hello, uh, this is just selling a pro- uh, product, uh, and yeah, yeah, this definitely. is not good, definitely." Yeah. But I, like it, it, cool. I think it, it's it's a delicate balance.
0: Yeah. I like the way you kind of describe it there. Like, you know, if, if we're talking about, you know, a simple problem, you know, the dominoes or five whys might work really well uh, and it's quick and it's easy and it's, you know, it, we can just, we can do a simple incident accident invest investigation, whatever you want to call it. But then for a more complex problem, we might need some more complex thinking um, for um, yep. and, and different systems. I like, I like the way that kind of, you, you say it much better than me, but whenever anyone kind of, says to me we sometimes get messages from uh on from the podcast and say oh you you've interviewed loads of people safety one and safety two which one should i pick and i'm like don't limit yourself to one of them like don't pick just one you've got yourself a buffet here you know a a, a beautiful table full of behavior-based safety compliance-based safety process safety you know but safety differently safety two hop you know all of these different things Mate, just don't don't fill your plate with one bit of the buffet. Take loads of little bits here and there. Some bits will work for you, and some bits won't. And if it doesn't work, put it back on the table, and you get something else. Yep, but totally that's, agree. That's my very common, um, yeah, common as muck way of describing it. <laughs> but you put it much nicer. I, <clears throat> I yeah. I would like to. Uh, I would like to finish on one last thing. I'm conscious we've been talking for a very long time. If you've got time. Um, if you haven't, tell me you haven't, and, and we'll let you yeah, go. well,
1: all
0: I... right. oh, you froze. I need to
1: make some coffee.
0: You need to make some coffee.
1: <laughs> Love that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's coffee time here. So
0: <laughs> cool. All right, we'll, we'll we'll leave that. But I just the only thing I was going to say is that I think that I think that we we, we do, I would like to finish on it that we that we the conflict is good like these debates that we have and between all these systems is, is a good thing for us to have, but maybe we just have to do it with a bit more to use your fridge, like local rationality to, to a point I feel like that would be a good message to essentially finish on.
1: I think uh, local rationality—it's—it's it's one of the one of the most important things that I have learned in the past few years. If you try to get in someone else's shoes and try to think, why does it make sense to that person to do that, and whether it's uh, about an incident that has happened. Uh, don't be on your high horse and say, mm. uh, "Well, he should have seen, he should have done, etc." No, but why did it make sense to that person at that uh, moment? And and the same uh, also um, if you read something, don't think mm. uh, Geller is an idiot uh, because. He probably isn't because he he has this degree in psychology and he's a professor yeah. and so on. So, yeah, yeah, he he must have done something right, and and maybe <laughs> I can learn something from him. So why why would it make sense to him to write stuff like that? And that is what I tried with Heinrich and what I'm trying to do with anything I read now. Mm. I, I think it's, it's a very powerful, and it, I've also found that it's a very liberating view in the workplace, because I often get the comment, uh, well, those people in the head office, they just don't understand how it is here. Mm. And I say, yes, you're right, they don't, and you don't understand how it is for them, mm. because you do actually live in another world than the director. You have these operational problems here and now. The director, he uh, reports, she reports, we have a female director now. She reports to the minister and she has uh, many other different problems than we have right here and now. And how do we bridge those two worldviews?
0: I love that. Now that was exactly how I wanted to finish a podcast so I, I'm glad I'm glad I kept you back from your coffee for a few more seconds. Yeah, if yeah. Uh, if people if 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 people wanted to hear more from you I know you've got your book coming out or and I don't know you've got your website do you want to just give us a little plug into your into your work your website and stuff like that. Uh,
1: yeah sure um, I have a website uh, www.mindtherisk.com Um, There I try to share as much uh, as I can, and often time is short lately. But there is a lot of uh, reviews and recommendations for books. Uh, I'll step up a bit uh, in the future. Um, I'm establishing also a Heinrich space there, where I'm going to share some of his work, or at least direct to his work. Uh, to to make available what's uh, possible illegally uh, and well link to my thesis and well podcasts like this
0: awesome yeah i'll put the uh yeah. i'll put the link to your website in the description below so everyone can check it out either look there as well or we were um prepping for this and it's, it's there's a lot of stuff on there so definitely yeah. and, and, and you
1: can can find two links to order my books of course
0: so of course we'll uh, we'll put all the links in the description below so thank you carsten for for coming on the podcast it's fascinating chat yes
1: thank you for having me and and well likewise it was great i, I wasn't even aware that it's almost two hours now <laughs> so that that says something about the quality of our conversation i think.
0: Oh, well, thank you very much. I take that as a compliment. Okay, peeps, hope you enjoyed that conversation. I thoroughly love talking to Carsten and we spoke for a little bit longer than we intended. um, So it was great. Thank you very much, Carsten, for coming on. If you enjoyed that, give us a share or go on iTunes if you're on iTunes. Give us a rate and review. We really, really appreciate that. Come follow us on all social medias, LinkedIn, Rebrand Safety, and talk to me on LinkedIn, James and Facebook, Rebrand Safety, and Twitter, Safety Rebranded, because, you know, Twitter's special. Anyway, thank you for listening. it has been another episode of our Safety 1 and Safety 2 mini-series. We've got only got two more left after this, and then it's back to normal old Rebrand Safety. Actually, it's back to our new structure of content, which we haven't actually done yet, because we're doing this mini-series. Catch you next week, peeps. Safe.